I'm Duncan McLeod, and this is the Tech Central podcast brought to you today by IOCO, the systems integrator in the EOH Holdings Stable. Now, this is the final episode in a series of five podcasts that we're doing with IOCO executives, and it's been a really interesting series of discussions so far, which we uh, kicked off uh, with EOH Holdings CEO Stephen Van Koller. Now, if you've missed any of the discussions, you can catch up by visiting the podcasts section on the Tech Central website. We can take a shortcut there by pointing your web browser to podcasts.africa. For the final episode in this series, I'm very pleased to welcome not one but two senior IOCO executives to the podcast now. Um, first up in the middle of your picture is uh, Brian Harding, and Brian is a managing executive IOCO Digital International and Regions. And on the right-hand side of your screen is Richard Vester, who is, of course, no stranger to this podcast. Richard is IOCO's group executive for cloud. Welcome back to you, Richard, and welcome to you, Brian. Thanks for joining me. Thanks. Lovely to be here. Thanks. Thank you. Now, the theme of this series of podcasts we've uh, we've been flighting on Tech Central this week is the great African tech opportunity. And uh, in this podcast, we're going to be honing the discussion in on IOCA's local and international expertise in the dev space, the software space particularly. We'll also be uh, looking at um, cloud in some detail. Now, Brian, let me start with you. The uh, the theme of the podcast series, as I mentioned, has been on opportunities for the development of technology across uh, the African continent and how technology can help the continent grow. How big is the opportunity in your view and, um, and, and where does South Africa fit into the picture? I know that you've got some interesting views on, uh, particularly on, on South Africa as an outsourcing destination. Um, your take on, on, on the African opportunity as such? Yeah, well, look, I mean, the market is, is significant, um, specifically because of the world in which we live uh, and the opportunities that are there for companies. Um, you know, so perhaps to start off the discussion, everyone and the buzzword on everyone's, uh, you know, mouths is still digital transformation. COVID has really amplified that. How do you digitally transform your business? Um, and really connect with your customers digitally. That becomes obviously much more relevant uh, in places like Africa, where where the, the traditional infrastructure, you know, is 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 not as as uh, strong as, as other places. But if we if we look at this aspect of digital transformation, it's it's something that I'm really passionate about. And if I can kind of talk to it in a little bit of a layman's point of view, because it's sure. it's really what we see what we see in the industry. And the analogy I give is is you know putting lipstick on a pig. Um, it, it, it might have lipstick, but it's still a pig. And, you know, in many cases, we see that digital transformation is almost approached like that. So mm -hmm. you slap a, a nice, sexy app onto a, uh, call it a traditional legacy environment, you know, have you transformed digitally? Well, what's the customer experience like? So from our perspective, we really want to start with the customer experience, start with, you know, uh, almost begin with the end in mind, as it were, and really feed that through. And there's so many examples, you know, that I see in real life where you have, um, you know, for example, um, a large provider and you've got a loyalty system that doesn't link to, you know, to the medical aid. So although you go and you have some procedure and you get authorization and they pay for it, actually, you know, you don't get the, you don't get the loyalty points without a whole lot of manual intervention. A silly example, but you can see that however cool the app is, has that really digitally transformed the business? Well, no, it hasn't. Uh, you know, equally, we look at now with gyms, 
that say they digitally transformed yet under COVID you have to go and queue 30 minutes to get into the gym. Uh, has it really digitally transformed? So what's the point? The point is that digital transformation is really has to be looked at from a holistic point of view. And yes, we can build apps and we can do all the sexy things, but you've got to look at it holistically. You've got to look at it end to end. It's about integration. It's how you plug into those backend systems, how you deal with the legacy and so on. Um, it's a challenge that everyone faces. So that opportunity, you know, is massive. Uh, and from our perspective, that's why we try and sort of take a holistic view to that. Um, but obviously, the app dev, app dev component, which, what you, which is what you mentioned earlier, is a big part of that and something I can talk to, mm. talk to further. Okay. I want, I want to get into a proper, uh, more detailed discussion about the digital transformation a little bit later in this podcast, because I know you've got some very interesting views on that, Brian. Um, but um, just, just sticking with the con this concept of, of African innovation and, and uh, what can be achieved on the continent in a te technology space, I'm keen to get your views. I know that IOCO uh, has developed a lot of its own IP uh, over the years, and um, that IP has been yeah, put to so good use. Yeah, please. No, 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 sure. So, you know, again, if we look at South Africa, particularly as a, as a, as a country and from a skills base, we have very relevant skills. Uh, yes, there is always a skill shortage, which is true basically around the world, but we have very relevant skills. What we don't have and what we haven't done traditionally, we haven't built a lot of our own product. We mm. haven't built a lot of our own RP. Um, for a number of reasons, I'm, I, you know, us can speculate why, but really not, not really worth doing so. You look at us as a country versus Israel, their ratio of um, product produced versus code, if you like, mm -hmm. versus line of code is, is significant. It's one of the best in the world, you know, compared to a country like ourselves. So it's something we're trying to change at IOCO to move from just the services business to starting to much more develop our own IP and develop products that we can take to market. Um, we have our platform businesses, we have our IP businesses, um, and that really becomes relevant. Um, and it's a journey that, that I would hope that more and more companies in South Africa, you know, take on board. Mm -hmm. That we start to become known for something as, as a country in this space, as opposed to just having great skills and having capability. And that's really the journey, you know, that, 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 that we're on. So we have something like, for instance, GetSpace, which is, um, you know, a, a really cool app that we've developed that is really relevant at this time. It allows you to manage the entire back to the office process to keep track of your people during during uh, a pandemic or during any kind of disaster such as this uh, to be able to track and trace and so on. So that's just, for example, one of the things, you know, that we're doing and we're having a lot of success with selling that internationally, ironically. So now you're having something that's developed in South Africa uh, that you're able to actually take globally and nothing showcases South African skills better than being able to do that. So Richard, let me bring you in here. Um, maybe as a starting point, tell me a little bit, a little bit about IOCO's uh, cloud business, which you head up. How's it positioned in the market? So Duncan, it's, uh, it's been a, an incredible journey over the last couple of years. Um, we, we are, are really, uh, exploring a lot of the hyperscale opportunity in in the market, uh, both in South Africa and globally. Uh, you know, our platforms, I suppose, from a, a, a hybrid cloud perspective, are are really supporting some of the market in terms of those organisations that don't necessarily want to adopt hyperscale, 
and the organizations that maybe are more enterprise corporate related or maybe are more multinational uh, that do want to explore the the hyperscale platforms um you know we, we we're having some good success with them so it has been uh you know as you know cloud is is an ever-changing thing um as a as a business model and it's it's been exciting and, and i see it continue to being exciting an exciting place to be in sure now richard you're based in in prague um which i always forget that's in austria right no, it's in the Czech Republic. I always get those two mixed up. I don't know why. <laughs> okay, you're in the Czech Republic. Um, so um, very much a multinational business. And you, you actually, I believe, uh, um, uh, have a number of um, significant clients uh, in the Czech Republic, including a, uh, a reference bank there. Can you maybe talk a bit about um, the internationalization of IOCO's business, why you're based in Prague, and, uh, and uh, where you see this interna internationalization of IOCO's business going in the future? 100%. So, Duncan, uh, kind of two areas. The one, uh, if we look at the local markets, uh, there's there's a great opportunity to explore um, what some of the hyperscalers are doing here, specifically uh, AWS as an example. Uh, so we've worked with a uh, financial institution. Uh, we've worked with uh, the, one of the largest uh, energy providers here, which has very, been, very much around um, the redesign, architectural lift and shift, uh, security elements, uh, you know, GDPR, those types of uh, areas which are slightly different to the South African market uh, in terms of, I suppose, uh, if you had to reference everything from most important down to what's not so important, mm -hmm. it's very different in Europe to, to South Africa. Uh, but those, those organizations, uh, we've been able to support them uh, on their journey to uh, to the use of, of AWS. And I think if we look at the rest of the market in Europe, uh, they are very fluid in terms of moving applications into hyperscale platforms as opposed to building their own. Uh, so our consulting capability uh, as IOCO across Europe, uh, I think is, is really an exciting place to, to be. Excellent. Well, uh, we're going to come back to you, Richard, a bit later in the podcast to delve uh, into some more detail into cloud. But um, Brian, let me bring you back into the conversation and let's uh, let's also delve in some detail into uh, digital transformation, uh, which we touched on briefly at the beginning of the show. Um, I, I know that uh, to get digital transformation right, you believe there are four key components that companies need to focus on and deliver correctly, namely software design, agility, and interconnection. Um, you, you wrote, in fact, uh, let's unpack each of those in turn. You wrote a, a piece on, on which we published on, on Tech Central recently uh, that a significant part of your digital advantage as a company uh, starts with software. You said this in, in the context of a company's digital transformation projects. What did you mean by that specifically? Well, I think the, you know, the, the reality is if you're looking to digitally transform the ability to be able to create what you want, to effectively build what you want, uh, is significant. Um, we've moved on tremendously over the last few years, and in fact, some time ago. I mean, if you go back, you know, years ago, software development product, uh, uh, projects were, were considered a nightmare. Mm. And so the aspect of being able to predictably uh, build what you want and when I say predictably, predictably, I mean a certain amount of time costing you a certain amount of money was very difficult. We've moved on significantly uh, with that. So now it becomes a real competitive advantage. It becomes an area where you can differentiate yourself because you're not buying something off the shelf and trying to adapt it. You're able to actually create what you, what you really want. So you're able to create a unique 
customer experience for your customers. You're able to integrate, uh, as I've said before, into your back end and really, you know, get that competitive advantage. And so this notion that every company is a software company, well, it actually becomes, you know, very true because that often is, is, is the advantage that they can, you know, put to play in their pocket. It's, it's the primary way. It's becoming the primary way that your customers engage with you. Mm. And so it's, it's a huge game changer. Yeah, we, we had uh, Colin Miller on the on, on the series of podcasts uh, re- recently, right. and he he echoed a similar view. In fact, his view was that um, that uh, all all companies are becoming technology companies, and in fact, all companies are becoming platform companies, um, okay. and that uh, it's it's your ability yeah. to to deliver um, efficiently, deliver software efficiently, and deliver APIs exposed not only internally but externally as well that will give you that competitive advantage. It sounds like you concur with Colin's view on that. Hundred percent, and I mean, if I can just again, and, and and the beauty about this discussion is how the, you know, what we mentioned earlier, and I know we'll talk about it more, is is the sort of global thing comes into that play. So from our perspective, uh, what we offer our clients is is really a global dev experience, a global dev shop. We've got a, a dev shop in Cape Town, in Joburg, in Egypt, in Prague, and in the UK. Um, and and really, the idea around that is that you can use the best skills for the best projects obviously at the best rates. Mm. It's a hugely competitive area. So, you know, and very often, and the agility aspect also comes in where, as you're trying to transform your business, you need to try things. Mm. Um, you need to fail early and not for a lot of money. Uh, and you want the ability to try things. You want the ability to do things. Uh, and that's something that we try and we try and give our customers. So, you know, that's a big part of, a, it's a very strong part of our business and a big part of the, of the, sort, of, the sort of value offering. Um, that we offer, but as I said earlier, it's you can't just do that in isolation because mm-hmm. it, it's not you know that is not digital transformation. Building a cool app for you yeah. is building a cool app for you, and it's yeah. it's part of the process. Yeah. <laughs> I know EOH or IOKA uses this term "dev anything." What is that? What do you mean by that? Well, pretty much, what, you know what I've said is that you can yeah. literally dev anything. I mean, the challenge we have, even internally, mm-hmm. as I always say to Stephen. You know, he'll say, can you do this? And I, and I say, yeah, well, yes, we can do anything. <laughs> and you literally can. <laughs> yeah. So the challenge is for our customers and even ourselves is where do you, where do you put your money? Mm. You know, where mm. because you, you can't actually do anything. Yeah. Uh, and it's not, not cheap stuff we're talking about. So, you know, that, again, you've got to look at this holistically to, to get that, that bang for your buck and get the return, you know, on that investment. Now let, let's talk about uh, the, the second component that you, you mentioned in the context of digital, important component in the context of digital migration, and that's design or design thinking. Why, why is that uh, so key? So again, you know, just coming back to my to the examples that I was talking about, um, you know, you really want to start with that with that customer experience, and you want to start with that end in mind, or, or or starting from that point of view. In in, in going back many years, we kind of start at the back end. It's slap on a front end and off you go. Mm. You know, those, those times have changed entirely. So it's really about the design thinking, about making sure that what you're doing is the right thing. Mm-hmm. The actual doing it is, I won't say it's easy, but as I said, we can build anything. So the design thinking is the upfront part of the process that mm. ensures that our clients are able to clearly articulate and get what they need and what they want and get the thing that's going to make an impact in yeah. the market. Because if I deliver something for you on spec and it doesn't achieve what you want from a business point of view, you consider it a failure, even if I've delivered to you. And that's that's the reality of, of, of our world. 
it, it seems kind of weird to 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 say it, but um, yeah. what you're saying is understand what what you're trying to do and why you're doing it before you set out to develop the software. Yeah, and yes, in many pro many projects that in companies they these I guess these things kind of start as ad hoc things and build from there. There's no kind of um, planning behind it. Um, but yeah, you know, I mean, I would I would always encourage companies to have a, a digital transformation strategy that mm -hmm. is holistic. And again, obviously, we help them with that. Uh, I would encourage them to choose a partner that can that can provide that holistic view um, because it, it's really important. If you're slotting in things that are part of the strategy, you, you're going to get much better, uh, you know, bang for your buck. Uh, yes, you can try the odd thing here and there, but something in isolation, uh, you know, very often it just doesn't get you the traction that you want. Uh, this is not an exact science and it's not easy. So every CIO, every uh, exec out there is is, is struggling with with exactly this, this issue and how to do it best. Now, you also mentioned agility. Um, take us through why agility is so important. Again, you know, as I was saying, the ability to be able to fail fast, fail early, uh, change direction and so on. Because, again, going back, you know, you would have uh, traditional IT, which, which failed in many respects, uh, spend a long time uh, deciding what you want, putting in place a spec, going and developing it, by the time you deliver it, the business has moved on. Business moves so quickly now that you have to have an agile process that is constantly tracking and changing with that. And so you, you need a framework, you need a direction, you need a pathway, sure, but you need the ability to be agile in that process. Again, it's something we help uh, you know coach companies with and it's inherent in the way that we deliver software. Mm -hmm. So what you're trying to avoid is to spend a lot of money going in a direction and finding out too late that it was the wrong direction. Mm. Agility is key to that process. But again, it encompasses everything. I always say you can't have an agile project, you don't have an agile contract, which again, many many clients don't understand. So it's, you know, all these things are fairly holistic in yeah. how you approach them. Yeah, and, and we, we talk, yeah, sorry, Richard, jump in. I was gonna say, maybe to add in, the, just in terms of the agility, I think what's made it more realistic um, for organizations today is the ability to take those applications and put them on serverless architecture and uh you know what the hyperscalers are bring uh, bringing to to you know to the party where you start also leveraging things like containerization a lot more effectively in the past the the infrastructure was also a limiting factor to to how organizations would be able to adopt or modernize what they're doing from an application perspective so mm -hmm. it's, it's it definitely is an important part of what's happening uh with applications yeah, interesting. Cloud, cloud has made the whole process a lot simpler, has it? Most definitely, yes. Okay, interesting. Now, um, the, lo the last factor, uh, uh, um, Brian, is um, interconnection. What do you mean by that? Well, just to what Richard was saying as well, yeah. um, you know, ev everything in technology has moved on significantly. So, so everything is in interconnected and the ability you know, to connect uh, your different environments, connect applications, and and give the customers a seamless, frictionless experience is is massive. Uh, and so you've got to have that integration capability. It's a core part of our capability. In fact, we talk about app dev and integration, and you know that that interconnectedness. As I said, you know, if you if I give you a great experience in this lane as a customer, but then you have to jump out of that lane, go and jump into another lane. Mm -hmm. to go out. It's, that's not a good experience and so sitting behind that is 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 an infrastructure and technology 
that allows for, for, for integration and for this frictionless experience for our customers. Uh, what are the conversations like with, with your customers when you, when you talk to them about these issues? I mean, I, I imagine that um, a, lo a lot of what you're speaking about here are, uh, are going to require cultural change within organizations and really upending the way um, their teams work on projects. Um, do you find that there's a lot of resistance as you have these conversations with clients about, um, about changing the way they do things? Um, not, you know, not really. Most people are aware of the challenges. What they right. sit with is trying to get that through their organizations. Uh, you know, that's the reality is that, and very often technology is the least of the problem. Uh, you know, technology, we know how to achieve these things. We know how to put in place the technology to get you there. Mm -hmm. But these, these, these ramifications around that, these often organizational change that's around that. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that's where companies struggle with, um, unless you're starting with a nice clean slate and you just started your company, you know, very recently. Uh, and in fact, if you look at the companies that are newer, they tend to outsource a lot of this, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and, and their world is a little bit easier because they don't sit with legacy environments that they need to try and manipulate mm -hmm. and change. Mm -hmm. And so that pace of change, that two pace chase of a uh, two, two step pace of change. Um, is, 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 you know, is often difficult for, for clients to, to, to do, but, but no, we, 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 in many instances are talking to the converted, the trick mm. is how, how do you, how do you integrate this into the organization? Mm. Richard, let me, let me turn the conversation uh, back to you and let's, let's delve into cloud in some detail. Now, Richard, I know we've had this, we've actually talked about this on a previous podcast, but I think it's worth exploring again in a little bit of detail and that's, um, that's why uh, they're asking the question, why should companies consider IOCA cloud? Um, why not go straight to a hyperscaler like Amazon Web Services? What advantages are there for, for companies working through a, um, a service provider like IOCA? So, Duncan, the first is, is very much around the fact that many organizations today don't have the skill to understand how to architect and design uh, the platform specifically to support the application. Uh, in terms of getting the application into, uh, you know, into uh, a hyperscaler like uh, Amazon Web Services. So there's there's definitely a benefit to working with um, a managed services partner like ourselves. Uh, the second is, um, you know, a lot of the hyperscalers don't engage directly with organizations. They like to work via partners. Mm -hmm. uh, they like to consolidate a lot of the billing and those types of services through them. And because there's always new services that are being launched from uh, Amazon Web Services over the course of a 12-month period, you just cannot keep up with those, uh, you know, the enhancements and the new security features uh, and, and capabilities that are being launched. Whereas when you look at a specialist organization like ourselves, we take the time to always make sure that we're up to speed uh, and, and, and then obviously transfer that information back into an organization and help them with their digital transformation. Interesting. Interesting. Now, of course, the hyperscale environment is, is, is not for everyone, right? Um, and many companies are adopting a hybrid um, sort of model. Can, 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 you, can you sort of divide it by industry? Can you say this, this type of industry is not really suited to a cloud environment? This sort of industry is more likely to go hybrid? Um, um, who, who, who is more likely to go all in on the cloud and who's likely not to? So I think it, it, it boils down to the type of applications that you're running. Uh, if the applications obviously are born in the cloud, it's very easy to, to move in that direction. Yeah. Uh, organizations that have legacy applications would, would need to go through that modernization process uh, like Brian spoke about 
and and get to a point where they can actually then take the application to a hyperscale. So it, it definitely is legacy applications. Organizations will stay away from uh, the hyperscale platforms uh, until they modernize that. Um, and I think hybrid, as much as organizations are seeing it, well, let's put some applications in hyperscale and some on, on my own in my own data center. I think the reality is it becomes quite difficult to manage those applications and, unless you've got the right cloud management engine that can give you visibility across both uh, both platforms. So uh, I think it's going to become more of a fit for purpose. We find that uh, an SAP application or an Oracle application would run really well in a hyperscale and other applications fit uh, better on my own infrastructure or in a hosted uh, cloud provider's infrastructure. And that's really how we see more uh, adoption between staying on on-prem or a hosted private cloud and moving uh, certain apps into into the hyperscale. I imagine it must be quite complicated to manage all of these things, particularly in a hybrid environment where some uh, so some systems are sitting on site and, and and some processes are in the in, in a hyperscale cloud environment. Um, but I believe there are new tools and and models that are being adopted, being introduced into the market that makes the management of these environments a bit easier. Very much so. Uh, so we we actually use a, a tool called CloudVault. Uh, it's a software company in in, in the US uh, that we've worked with. And that really gives us visit visibility across 18 different, uh, what you would classify as, I suppose, hyperscalers, as well as you know going into your traditional open source inf infrastructure or in a VMware, as an example, uh, a platform. So that gives you all the visibility you need to manage what's happening from an application's perspective. And then also that then has uh, quite an open API um, capability so that you can start linking in other tools. There isn't one tool that fits everything, mm. uh, unfortunately. A lot of what the, the, the software houses are developing today is the ability to be able to tie other tools um, to give you better visibility and control across the different layers of the application or the infrastructure. So it, it definitely is uh, a lot easier to manage it today in a, in a hybrid cloud environment. Guys, it's been a good discussion. We're we're coming coming up to the conclusion of of, uh, of our discussion today. But Brian, I wanted to actually circle it back to something we were speaking about at the beginning of the podcast today, and that was South Africa is an outsourcing destination. We know that some markets have been very very successful uh, in um, in developing uh, as outsourcing destinations. I think India is the uh, is the number one example of this. But there has been some uh, uh, some there have been some efforts by uh, South Africa to uh, to try and do something similar here. I know it's not happening. To to the same scale at all, um, but what, what are the opportunities here? And um, you know, why do you why do you feel that um, an out, South Africa as an outsourcing destination is so important? Yeah, thanks, Duncan. I mean, I think as a country, we really are missing the mark here. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at the opportunity, take for example, particularly UK and Europe, um, we've got similar time zones, similar culture, the exchange rate is is favourable, and we have good skills. But it's something that's far bigger than EOH and IOCO. Uh, it really requires the industry getting together and, and really starting to work along these lines. And it's certainly something that uh, I'm, you know, in my role, I'm trying to pursue chatting to, to colleagues or not colleagues, but, but uh, you know, uh, people that I know within our competitors. You know, if you look at the South African context, we're quite competitive. We're all fighting, fighting for our piece of a relatively small market. Mm. Wouldn't it be wonderful if South Africa had actually access to world markets? Mm. So for us as IOCO, IOCO uh, a big, very big part of our strategy. 
Uh, as I said earlier, we've got a presence in the UK, a presence in, in, in various places in Europe uh, and the Middle East as well. And the model is really to try and take South African services and products you know, into the world, but also to build you know, those, uh, those, uh, that presence there. Um, if you look at the, the main outsource destinations, you mentioned India, uh, the people that are frankly eating our lunch is Eastern Europe. Uh, oh. Skills in Eastern Europe, very, very good, uh, very competitive on rates, uh, and we're losing out to that. And there's absolutely no reason why we should. I don't know if Rich wants to give examples of, he's over there, so he heads up UK and Europe for, for me as well, and, mm -hmm. and a big part of our strategy, and, and maybe give you some examples of work we've done there for this time. Richard? Very much so. Uh, it's, it, what's exciting for me is, is going into uh, the Czech market as an example. So I don't speak Czech, uh, but part of the team here, I, I obviously have local Czech speaking individuals, highly skilled uh, across the, uh, the, the digital space. And when we go and engage with customers here or in Switzerland, uh, we're able to go and uh, initially obviously engage around the digital transformation requirements but then resource a lot of the, the skills that are doing the actual lifting and shifting uh, or redesign work on the application side from South Africa into, into the market here. So we, we, I think we find a, a great opportunity for us to be able to engage with the, with the local community, corporate enterprise, mm -hmm. but still leverage that, uh, you know, the South African community from an IOCA perspective to support us with, uh, you know, with all of that exciting stuff. And it really is, it's, it's, it's the India, uh, as you referred to earlier on, but it's South Africa into Europe um, and obviously leveraging what we have as IAPCO uh, internationally. Great. Uh, we're about, unfortunately, to be in interrupted by ESCOM uh, in the form of load shedding. So we're going to wrap up the podcast at that point, guys. But uh, fa fascinating discussion. Again, if you've missed any of the of the interviews in this series, they all, all are well worth going to have a listen to, uh, starting with uh, Stephen van Koller's interview and then going all the way through. So do, do go ahead and have a listen to those. Uh, you can access them directly on the Tech Central website or just go to podcast.africa to go to the section on the Tech Central website where you'll find all of our podcasts. Now, Richard Vester, is executive head of cloud at IOCO and Brian Harding is managing executive IOCO Digital International and Regions. Thanks for wrapping up the series for us and for your time today. Thanks, Duncan. Thanks, Enjoyed Duncan. it. Thank you. Thank you.